0: Okay, well, good morning everybody. Here we are once again for the All Portable Discussion Zone. It's a bi-weekly live stream all about amateur radio portable ops. My name is Charlie, and we have a great uh, roundtable of guests today to talk about QRP portable transceivers. So I uh, hope you stick around for us with us today. Uh, thank you if you're in the chat. We uh, always appreciate you guys in there. Uh, uh, making your comments and stuff like that and uh, if you have questions certainly post those we'll be monitoring the chat and uh, trying to get those questions answered. Uh so uh like I said we're talking about portable ops. I just wanted to mention that uh thank you for those of you who have come over from the uh Coffee and Ham Radios live stream. Uh, also mention that right after this live stream in an hour and a half there will be another live stream by uh by Kyle AA0Z who'll be talking about how to create a uh ham radio um dashboard using uh, uh, node red and it's really interesting i saw parts of it and it's really interesting so he'll be live coming up right after us and uh, we we are doing this uh, live stream on a different day than we normally do it's on uh, saturday uh, because uh, sunday is mother's day and i, I just wanted to uh, mention that uh, that um, we appreciate uh, all of the uh, women in our lives and so we're going to we're not going to stream on uh, on uh, sunday we'll let you guys uh, spend time with your family so, with that, let's go ahead and go around and uh, introduce everybody and, and uh, see who we got on the round table there. So, uh, we'll start with the Mark. Go ahead.
1: All right. Hi, uh, <clears throat> everybody. Uh, Mark Mark KG6LI. I, uh, I live in the community of Temecula, California, which is also known as Wine Country. Um, I've been an amateur radio operator since uh, 1974. Uh, uh, got it in my junior year of high school as part of my electronics uh, class there. I've always been a CW operator. I can count on one hand the number of sideband uh, communications I've made. So I've, I've pretty much been involved in CW all my life. Um, I, uh, I'm a retired fire captain paramedic uh, since 2015. Just got too old for it. The young kids were making me look bad. So I said, you guys got it. Uh, did some time with Aries, both as a uh, participant down in San Diego, and then I was also uh, the uh, EC for the Temecula Valley for a while, and uh, been in Soda for probably about three, four years, and uh, well, that's kind of where i met uh Charlie.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, thanks, Mark. I appreciate you being with us. Now let's go over to Bo. <clears throat>
2: Hey, everybody. I'm Bo, uh, KH7FC. I'm active duty Navy. I hit 19 years um, next July or July. So in two months, um, I do a channel um, where uh, it was mostly like off-roading and Navy type stuff. Uh, I've got into the ham radio side of doing things. I haven't done soda yet, but I do plan uh, actually in about a week and two days, I'm trying to hit Uh, like 15 summits in like a day and a half so uh, we'll see if that works out or not I'm going to be filming a whole bunch of that Um, I'm not really a QRP operator but uh, I do operate portable a lot on parks on the air and uh, that's pretty much me
0: okay cool thanks Bo Uh, real quick Bo what how can people find your channel I mean it's down it'll be on the comments below but, but go ahead and tell them too
2: uh, right at the moment, it's just uh, labeled with my name and my call sign. So it's Bo KH7FC. And then uh, also for those of you that don't know, uh, I grew up in Louisiana and uh, I've, I've been stationed in Virginia, uh, Hawaii, California, and now I'm back here on uh, the eastern shore of Virginia. So
0: All right. Uh, let's, go, let's go back to Mark real quick. Mark, I, I was playing Victor there and was uh, filled <coughs> with the knobs. Did you mention how to get, to, get onto your channel?
1: Well, after a lot of creative thinking, my uh, YouTube channel's uh KG6LI. <laughs> nice. All right.
0: Yeah, I, great channel, both of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's go ahead and go over to uh, Shane then.
3: Hey, everyone. My name is Shane, call sign kilo delta nine, November Juliet Juliet. I have a small YouTube channel called Scout75, uh, mostly portable Radio is what I'm into, Uh, parks on the air, and surprisingly, summits on the air. I live in northern Wisconsin, and it's kind of slim pickings for that kind of festivities, but uh, I give it a go and have a little fun doing it, so that's about it for me.
0: Okay, thanks for being on the show, Shane. All right, Dan. Yeah, no problem.
4: Uh, Good morning, Dan, KC7 MSU. I live in Chandler, Arizona and uh my primary interests are uh nowadays are uh qrp operations so enjoy uh soda and uh, hoping to get out and do some uh pota activations as well uh throughout the year cool that's about it
0: all right and then there's brian
5: as brian w7 jet live in mace arizona and uh Soda guy. Actually, I'm kind of responsible, I suppose, for getting Charlie and Dan involved in in this mess and uh, had a lot of fun over the years doing it. I kind of fell into it by accident, like a lot of people do Um, doing a uh, excuse me, still a little dry from yesterday, Um, doing a, a hike up to the top of Brown's Peak, which is the highest point in Maricopa County. Brought an HT with me and started making contacts. And somebody said, congratulations on the first activation. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. And two or three days later, got an email. Ended up hanging out with a bunch of people, drinking beer, telling lies, and found all found out all about soda. And you know, I guess two hundred activations, and almost two thousand points later, here we are. Um, like doing uh, for for ham radio, pretty much like everything. I, I like messing around with all kinds of different stuff. Soda is the main interest, but I also like to do uh, chase chase DX and and you know, be one of the the smaller pistols and messing the messing around in the contest and stuff and uh, build like building stuff
0: yeah cool and then you're uh pretty close to double goat now right
5: yeah I, th- I think with with our with the the eight points that we earned yesterday eight points charlie that was eight points uh the eight points that we learned earned yesterday i think that puts me somewhere around 50 points ish until uh, until i hit the 2000
0: cool we'll have to do something special for that like uh, take you back up armor mountain
5: yeah, there we go. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a great plan, Charlie. That, you know, maybe you remember that thing from the Indiana Jones with the uh, with the um, the UFOs where they were driving it through the Brazilian jungle and it was just shredding everything. That's what we need for that. But yeah. that was ridiculous. That hill.
0: That was <laughs> okay. And then our last guest, not last but least, Ori. Just uh, just uh, N 4 H and H. That's all it is. Doug, go ahead.
6: Hey, hey, y'all. N 4 H here. And, uh, yeah, before I forget, my YouTube channel is my call sign and the word radio in for H radio. And I do feature a little bit of soda on there, but it's mostly focused on, uh, tips and tricks and operating procedures, uh, you know, operating tips. It's kind of an Elmering slant to it really. Because I find that a lot of uh, people are, who are new to radio, um, well, I've, literally they've just written me and said, I don't understand all these buttons and knobs. So it kind of focuses on that. But because of my operation in soda, I tend to favor, you know, showing how to chase QRP stations 2,000 miles away. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really gives people an understanding of the capabilities of the different receivers and what they can do to help do that. Um, been involved in radio since I well started working on radios at age 14 at a CB radio shop uh, a gentleman gave me a job doing that and then later wound up at Motorola and uh, it was there that I was influenced to become an amateur operator they said get off chicken band, get your ham license so, so I've been doing it since 1982 and um, you know, really like it. I did. You know, I had those years. I don't know about you guys. I had the years where life got in the way, and I kind of let it wane. I you can look at my log and see four or five contacts for an entire year. And uh, my friend Joel KC4WZB, uh, he and I play in bands together. He's a drummer, and I'm a bass player. And uh, we actually accidentally found out years ago, we go way back, that we were both ham operators. And he got me into soda. And I was hooked from the very first day, just doing it with an HT from a two-pointer, and uh, from then on out, you know, we do a lot of a uh, lot of stuff together. And so I, I sometimes throw videos of our soda activations up on my YouTube channel.
0: All right, well, uh, thank you guys again. Uh, just real quick about me, I I like Brian alluded. I uh, was looking for information about summits on the air I attended a club meeting and he uh, coincidentally that's that very night was uh was presenting on how to do summits on the air and so went with him on my first activation to uh a peak called uh, what brian um uh by whitetail it is it'll come to me in a second it'll come it'll... Um... anyway that hill <laughs> it and uh from there on out it was great I've uh, been going ever since, I really like it, um, been doing it a lot, so I am uh, from Arizona like the rest of the other two co-hosts, and uh, originally from Wyoming, and uh, was born and raised on a farm there, I got involved, uh, really, I uh, was licensed in 2005, I was a technician for quite a while, and then I, I got my general, and, a, and then my extra, I didn't know, and still don't know a whole lot about electronics, and uh, so I'm really weak there, but I did take some, co- uh, some uh, community college classes on electronics, so I'm... I'm uh, slowly learning, but uh, nowhere near the uh, proficiency of of most people. So, that's me. All right. uh, Again, thanks everybody in the chat. Hi to everybody. I I see you. I'm kind of monitoring it, and I think a few others are. Let's get going then. So this is a roundtable, which means that uh, we can, you know, interject at any point if anybody has questions, and we'll also take questions from the chat. But uh, Mark's going to start us off. He has some slides and and, uh, some information on some of the radios that he's used when he's went out and worked portable, and can talk a little bit about those. So go ahead, Mark. Mark, you're muted. How's that? There you go.
1: All right. Very good. All right. So uh, let me kind of get into the reason I uh, I purchased the uh, FT817. Um, my original QRP rig uh, was a uh, Tentec Argonaut. And I bought that uh, uh, somewhere around 2014. Really enjoyed doing QRP work. Really got addicted to it. Um, but uh, it, the Tentec is not really built for the rigors of... Uh, uh, hiking. It's a beautiful rig. I still have it. In fact, uh, I did a video, uh, I activated Borrego mountain with it. It's, it's a wonderful rig. It's just not built for, uh, summits on the air. So, uh, at the time, the FTH 17 ND was about the only option. There was, um, Ellencraft was building the uh, KX-1 at the time, uh, and it mainly was a kit, but, um, I elected to go with this. And, uh, some of the things that I really, really enjoy about the, uh, the, uh, 817 is number one, it's, um, gosh, it's got band coverage from 160 meters to 70 centimeters. So it's kind of like the Swiss army knife of uh, band coverage. It really does a good job of uh, covering all the bands. And I got to tell you, I kind of antennaed up to cover all these bands because like, for instance, in the summertime, uh, I do like to do a lot of night activation. So I've got stuff for 80 meters and all all the way up, so I really enjoy this radio. It's all modes, and that's kind of a rarity, um, especially back in the day, because one of the things I do enjoy doing, and I think you guys in Arizona are leaps and bounds ahead of us on this, but uh, I do like to do a sideband two meter, Um, really hasn't caught on out here as much. Um, Occasionally I'll get a, a hit out of the LA area, but I'm hoping to see more and more people get uh, get into that mode, because I got to tell you, for uh, for communication, sideband on two meter just is so much better than FM. The uh, design, although not dustproof or waterproof, it's more conducive to the rigors of stuffing it in a backpack and taking it on deployments, it t- tends to take the uh it hits a little bit better than some of the other radios. And that was my fear with my 10-tech that I was gonna bust a knob off or bend a switch. This all seems to be handling the usage pretty good. Currently a number of uh, manufacturers have accessories out there for the uh, 817 uh, soda beams. Uh, Ellacraft builds the T1 tuner and they have the uh, connections uh, to automate it. So uh, a lot of people jumped on board with that. The aftermarket Collins filters, I love, I've got a 300 hertz of mine and it is razor sharp. Um, I love using that 300 hertz uh, when the pile-ups or the adjacent uh, noise is a problem. The problem with it is a lot of people every once in a while will try to contact me off frequency a little bit and boy, I don't even hear them. It's like they think I'm being not friendly or something. Yeah, but, I
0: get that too, uh, Mark. It's, uh, that's the downside for sure.
1: It is, and I, you know, in retrospect, maybe I should have gone with the five hundred, but the three hundred is what I've got.
0: Yeah, you know, and let me add too. I, I, yeah. I sometimes I'll, I'll just uh, go back and forth between turning it off and on every once in a while, just to check.
1: Yeah, you know, you really have to because I think, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Charlie. More and more, it seems like people are trying to contact you just a little bit off frequency. Yeah. And and it it really becomes a problem if that's in there. Uh, it's got the uh, repeater offsets and all the tones uh, built into it. Uh, I don't use that too much. Uh, if I want to gather like people to come over and talk to about simplex, I tend to use the handy talky and keep that on simplex. But yeah. Um, so uh, no rig is perfect, and um, so I'll kind of walk through these. And these are some things I kind of discovered. Uh, there's no internal and antenna tuner, but you know what? Um, at the time that this was built, that was kind of unheard of. I mean, that was just, I mean, KX3 was probably, I don't know if that's the first, but until uh, l came out with them, I don't think there was a lot of rigs uh, being built with internal antenna tuners. But you know what? I, I hope at some point Yesu looks at that. Um, I also, uh, for sideband operators, which I'm not, I kind of, um, the lack of a 10 watt option, my uh, my TenTech has a 10 watt output option for sideband. It seems to make a difference. I mean, we're talking what an S unit, but yeah, that's an S unit. So still, uh, I, it'd be nice if uh, it had it. It's a little bit thirsty uh, for as far as current. Uh, 450 milliamps just on receive, and then 2.2 amps on five watts. Now that's all relative. Now I pack a bioNO 4.5 amp, and I have never run out of power i've done three back-to-back summits and i've never run out of power so i mean that's relative to me is, is if you're packing in the minimum amount of battery yeah that could be an issue but for me it yeah, doesn't matter limited filter operate uh, uh, options is now i know there's a lot of aftermarket stuff coming out soda beams built uh, what is it called the laser beam and that but once you plug in that 300 hertz you're kind of committed to that filter option. So you really can't plug in the side band or anything else. And so you're kind of committed to that at the time. That's okay. And, and still today, that's okay. Cause I'm just primarily a CW operator, Uh heavy compared to other rigs at 2.58 pounds. That's, that's with the battery in it. And one of the first things I did is I yanked the battery out of it. And here's why I did that. I don't need it. I'm never going to run without an external battery on it. And the, thought of lugging an extra weight so i can have an internal battery just operate it at half the amount of power that it normally has it didn't appeal to me so I, j- I took it out it just it didn't seem like a big deal um no internal uh, speech processing i bought the uh, the soda beams uh speech processing or I don't know why because I don't do sideband but I don't know it seemed like the thing to do but uh, I have used it on two meter sideband and it does seem to add a little punch to the signal so uh, you know there you go uh, and the display um, the older I get either the display is getting smaller or my eyes are going south on me <laughs> but it gets harder and harder to read so um, I, that can be an issue so kind of like eh, you just got to get used to it and then uh, accessing some of the menu items can really uh to this day I still in my pack carry the manual because it's like oh my gosh how do I get to that option it can be real interesting at times and you kind of look like a a rookie up there with the manual in your lap but uh, it is what it is so kind of talking about my future plans where I'm my future plans is I'm staying with the, uh, the 817 ND platform for now. And the reason is because it fits my style of activation. I love to work all the HF bands with the exception of 160 meters, but I work pretty much 80 through 10. And uh, I love having that option. And I love having the option of having all modes on two meters. Uh, I think hopefully in time it'll pick up out here in California people will start uh, maybe attuning to that but we don't have a lot of chasers that are up uh, running up on sideband yet um, you know i'm I'm gonna see what um yesu does with future offerings and you know they introduced the f you know they came out to say we're, we're introducing a new qrp rig boy and i'll tell you what every morning i was getting on the internet trying to find and then they introduced the uh, ft818 and i thought gosh man why do they stay with that body style and that well i looked it up and yesu is selling these things still as fast as they can crank them out in fact uh, just recently they've sold over two hundred and sixty thousand. FT817s and 818s, and it's their best-selling rig ever. They've sold more of these rigs than any other radio that they've uh, they've ever sold. Now, one of the options I'm looking at is I just like to be able to save some weight. You know, it's you're always looking at that. The only thing that bums me out about uh, that a little bit is I hate losing all bands. I still love having the 80 through 10 meter option on HF. And so, yeah, but regardless what I end up with, uh, I'm always gonna try to match it with the best antenna system out there. So I'm really attuned to, uh, you know, um, trying to, to create the best system for this for success. And um, well, that's kind of where I'm at. So uh, that's my little thing there. Uh, cool.
0: Back. Well put exactly. together, Mark. Let me ask. Let me uh, just mention. Uh, I on Twitter, I put out a poll. Uh, you, some of you may have seen it. Some of you may have not. I had a response of about a hundred and well, it was over one hundred and fifty, but almost one hundred seventy-five people responded. And the question was, what is your your primary rig when you go, go portable? And the list was, you know, KX two KX three line, or the FT 1718 line, or the MTR line, or something else. And uh, surprising to me was that the FT81718 uh, was the the primary. It was one that pole. They were they were I mean a razor. Ahead, they were ahead of KX2 and KX3, but they still came out on top. So uh, a great rig, still uh, one I use as my primary right now. Even even though you know there's ups and downs, just like uh, Mark said. But I, I love it. It's a great rig, and some point I'll I'll uh, move to something else. But uh, that's that's what I do as well. Uh, any other comments before we move over to Bo? I'm surprised
6: that it wasn't uh, KX three.
0: Yeah, I am too. But since you know, it's only 165 people of my of people that listen to my uh, or follow my Twitter account. So th- who knows? Re- if, you know, it would have to get two or three thousand to get a real accurate one. But yeah. regardless, there's still a lot of people out there with this rig. Mm. Well, I
6: know I know a person using an eight seventeen as in one uh, no. Uh, uh, Ryan WG4I, who got Joel into soda, and then Richard. I don't know if Richard's on here with us or not. If he
0: was able to make it in one RBD, he has an eight eighteen. Yeah, I haven't. He's not in chat so far. I, I, I was possibly thinking about bringing him in, but he's not there so far.
1: Hey, uh, uh, real quick. Uh, I think Dan's asking in the chat what antenna I use for eighty meters. I use a. a um, you're gonna laugh. It's a an Ventana uh, HFP vertical with the uh, eighty meter loading coil on it
0: okay cool thanks for catching that and answering it uh, okay Bo, you're up let's uh, what do you, what do you use
2: well first of all I need to get a marker so that I can write all my stuff on the wall behind me to uh, go with marks uh, <laughs> PowerPoint but <laughs> now I was gonna do a PowerPoint and then uh, you know some stuff came up so I didn't it's do that good. I actually use a FT 891 um, and then, depending on where I'm at and what I'm doing, I either use a uh, 12 uh, amp-hour BioIno battery, or I have extended the power in my truck to a power pole cable. That's uh, actually it's probably about five feet long, so I just plug in directly to the the truck battery. Um, I also have the FT857 Delta. Uh, that is my "quote unquote" house uh, radio, if you will, but I do take that with me. Sometimes I plan on taking that with me to the soda, uh, thing that I'm, I mentioned earlier, uh, just because if I do, uh, maybe possibly get some two meter sideband stuff because, uh, and I know he's not here. I haven't actually seen him, uh, do any of the, of the chats, but, uh, Richard K 4 AAE, the guy that got his goat in like eight months, who's, I think he's working on, number three right now um he's he's actually one of the people that i talked to that gave me information about the summits that i'm going to go do because he's here close to me um but uh i personally i like to run my ft891 at somewhere between 50 and 100 watts depending on which antenna i'm using um i have been successful in doing qrp Uh, i do also run ft8 on activations and uh, i usually run ft8 at about 10 watts and i have uh accidentally forgot to change the setting because uh if anybody that has the 891 knows that it's very menu driven um i forgot to change the setting for power out and left it at 10 watts and i have got over to uh the the european area that way uh, a couple of different times um, and then, uh, yeah, that, that's that's what I like to do. I use uh, a few different setups. Um, like I had mentioned before in the pre-show, I have a video coming out where I'm showing the, the different antennas. And I know antennas are uh, really the focus of this, but I really like the 891. Uh, the reason why I went with the 891 is I really like the 857. Uh, but the 891 has a few options that the 897, in my opinion, doesn't have without paying the extra money for the Collins filters and, and stuff of that sort. Um, to, to be uh, kind of, I guess, fanboy-ish, if you will, I've, I've been watching Doug's videos really closely and learning how to use the IPO and the ATT and the different DNR. Uh, algorithms and stuff like that to really clean up the signals coming in, so that I can get more context. But uh, the 891 is my go-to. Um, it's actually sitting on the back seat of my truck right now. So if I, you know, happen to get a few minutes and want to go do a POTA activation, uh, I can do that because POTA activations are really cool. Most of them are uh, are drive-ups, um, and you know, you can just drive up, sit in the parking lot, and operate from from your vehicle
0: yeah cool and the the yeah that uh 857 too you were just mentioned briefly i know dan's uh, used that one right dan
4: yeah yeah i really enjoyed that radio it was uh it was great uh great rig especially since uh um, you know you can go qro you can go qrp or anything else uh great rig except the front end is is not really great but uh uh and the menus are kind of a hassle at times but uh otherwise i mean it was a rugged it's a rugged radio so well, we're taking out on a mountain
0: yeah for sure so uh, 857 817 definitely 818 that's a good one and then uh the one you mentioned in the uh 857 great ones uh let's see uh Shane. yeah and, oh, go, ahead. go ahead and then if
2: if i could real quick uh for me uh you know a, a lot of people always say what's the best rig to use and and honestly it depends on your budget and what you want to do. Uh, the cool thing about the 891 and the 857 Delta is, if I want to run QRP, I can just run QRP. If I want to run, you know, 50 watts or 100 watts or whatever you know setting I want, I can. It can go anywhere from five watts all the way up to 100 watts. And and I for the money, that was that was really what uh, why I went with those two radios at the times that I bought those.
0: Perfect. Yeah, and for what you do, yeah, you're a pota guy, right? So you can run some power. Right. Yep. Yep. All right, Shane, uh, you're up next. All right.
3: <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me share a quick slide deck here. I got to figure that out. All right. For me, I went with the... Uh... Get Go
0: going here? Yeah, I can see you.
3: All right. I got the Zygu X5105. Uh, QRP rig. Uh, Like I mentioned in the beginning, there's not a lot of soda activity in my area. I've never done any HF with any other operator before. So I kind of learned on the fly using YouTube mostly for picking out a radio. So without having any experience on it, I wanted to get something that was very affordable entry level and had everything all that I need in one little package. And Being a single sideband guy, I needed something compact that would handle that. But as I grow into the hobby, I want to be able to expand. So I had to have capabilities for CW and digital as well. So when I narrowed it down, mainly because of the price and the fact that it's an all one unit was this X5105. I like it a lot. It's a five watt transceiver with six meters besides HF. It's a solid radio. The build construction is very good, and the nice thing is it has a built-in tuner and a battery, so it's nice, compact, uh, less components, less wires, less things to forget my truck or fall on my pack. So it's kind of a simple entry-level radio for an intro-level guy like myself. Uh, if you look at it, the design, is really nice and straightforward. The interface is easy to, easy to use. The controls have a a nice feel to them. The VFO knob is nice and smooth. It's very tactile where it has little stops at every setting. All the control buttons have a nice tactile feel to them. And it's a nice smooth layout. As you can see, there's not a lot of uh, anything protruding out that'll snag on bags or packs or anything like that. So it's really easy to deploy in the field. it has a very nice battery built in, long life. I've only ran it down once, and that was mostly operator air, But I always carry a little lithium backup battery with it. Uh, the the tuner itself is is phenomenal. I think it can tune a wet noodle if you wanted to. So that really opens up my options for for antennas. I don't have to bring a specific antenna for a specific band. I can work all the bands I want with just one. Random wire. A nice feature built into it is it as a really good uh, SWR scanner. I've used this as my antenna analyzer when I was building a couple of speaker wire antennas, so it's it works out very well for that too. Again, if you're a new ham like myself and getting in, you don't have a lot of gear to buy. This pad doubles for some other features as well, and it has a front-facing speaker, which is really nice. It looks pretty small, but the uh, but the speaker works quite well so I I haven't had to use headphones with it so I kind of like that. Uh, So kind of summary it is a uh, relatively inexpensive way for somebody to get into portable especially if you don't have an Elmer to loan you one of their rigs so if you want to try Soda or Pota or any other QRP type operations this is a pretty solid unit to experiment with. has everything you need built in Uh, Like I keep saying, it's rugged, it's inexpensive, it's pretty quick to learn. Uh, If you want, I think it'd be a great option for just a prepper type person for emergency comms. Uh, You can run Winlink off of this JS8 call, set up an Inves antenna for for 80 meters and you could have some good emergency comms, small package you can keep in your vehicle. I don't have a whole lot of negative things to say about it. That's why I kind of put my complaints in quotes. As you can see on the slide, uh, your uh, BNC connector protrudes out quite a ways. That's the only thing that's really not protected that you got to watch for, but that's pretty minor. They're easy to replace. Uh, I'm kind of following the ham radio stuff protocol of Anderson Anderson Power pulls the world. I would like it if all radials had Anderson power poles so I could have one less thing to modify, but that's that's really nitpicking there. And the battery is a little bit slow to charge. Uh, so bear that in mind if you're going to go out uh, for extended trips to make sure you have external batteries with you because you won't be charging it up. But if I can go back to my first slide, I kind of glanced over. All my kits are pretty modular. And I like to use these Osprey roll-up bags for a lot of this stuff. Uh, They're about the size of a football when you roll them up. And uh, in the main pocket, zipper pocket, this radio fits in perfectly. It just drops right in. Uh, Covering up the radio, there's two zipper pockets where I'll keep like the power cord and some connectors. And then above that, I have these mesh pockets where I keep the mic and, uh, the feed line in one, and then my antenna fits, uh, uh, rope to hang it up into a tree. So everything's laid out in one spot. Uh, that is my bare minimum radio kit right there. I could throw that in my day pack and I can operate pretty well with just that right there. And that whole thing weighs about three pounds. So that's, a great, that's a
4: great bag choice. Um, I've never seen one like that. So I'll have to try one of those out because uh, I've got cables in a couple different bags and stuff like that. And that would be really nice to just have it all in, in one particular place, less to carry. And, and you know, you've got everything when you pack your bag.
0: Yeah. You know what? And Shane, uh, uh, that was it's very coincidental. Just yesterday, I was shopping for a few different kinds of bags to, to put some of my gear mm-hmm. in. I saw this and I didn't go with it. And I, I ordered another one through Amazon and it, it came when I got back today and or yesterday and, and uh, didn't, wasn't happy with what I ordered. So I, I'm going to take a look at that. That's a, that's a good option, I guess, huh?
3: Yeah, I really like that. I have a couple of them. Uh, it started off just for backpacking. I have... Uh, you know, a couple different size packs like most people in the backpacking. And I got one of these where I basically keep my 10 essentials and, and everything that you always have. So you're not constantly duplicating it for different packs or forgetting it. I just keep it all in one spot. If I'm with my day pack or an overnight pack or whatever, I just grab this, drop it in. And that kind of expanded into my ham radio kit too. I like to keep everything organized and modular. So I have this uh, kit set up here for the QRP radio like Dan kind of alluded to, I have an R1 set up with more with, uh, with connectors, different antenna options, uh, a small battery, uh, my buddy pole mini for my solar channel or solar panel charger, all that kind of stuff. So depending on what I'm doing, I can just grab and go with whatever I need and everything has a place and it's kind of keeps me sane. That's cool. And you said Os- Osprey makes that? Yes, Okay. I don't know the exact model number, but it's, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's an Osprey, so. All
0: right, so I have a couple more questions for you, Shane. So, uh, Some things that uh, you implied and probably most people would get, but I just want to make sure that so, if people that are, are a little less experienced with the radios and that not, uh, would uh, make sure they understand. So uh, you said that battery charge is kind of slow, which means to me, or uh, the assumption then is that there's an e- internal battery uh, for this radio. Uh, yes. So is there a capability for external as well?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It, It has an internal battery and, uh, and you can, uh, it just has a DC port on the side that you can, uh, you can plug in the charger. And if you got the battery going, you can kind of see right down by the antenna port. Uh, it's just a barrel connector. So you can charge the battery or you can run off an external battery, whichever route you want to go. So, Good question.
6: Red? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't sure if I was muted. Uh, so, with uh, let me ask you if you use an external battery, does it give you any higher power output? Like the 705 from ICOM's got the 10 watt output from an external battery, five watts with an internal.
3: No, the battery output's the same. as five watts either way. That's... Okay. No,
0: that's no, that's okay.
6: I was just curious.
0: Yeah. Another question I have is, uh, again, this is just an assumption I'm making. Based on the fact that you were talking about uh, it, the capabilities of uh, it doing digital, those digital capabilities are built into the radio then, correct?
3: I don't know for sure. I'm not, I'm not a... Uh... Digital guy yet. Yeah. I know okay. there it comes with an adapter that you got to plug into it. I can't remember the model name, it's standing around behind me somewhere, but uh, yes, yeah, it's, no it's, it's a little more to it.
0: Okay, and the last question is uh, if you know uh, the, the the interface at the top, is that is there a uh, waterfall on that or no? Uh,
3: not a real good one. It, it's kind of like like on the ESU 891 where you can go through the menus and you can find it, but it's, it's, you know, monochrome and not that great. I, I typically don't use it Uh, when I'm out in the field. I'm, I'm usually uh, sending out a spot on Soda Goat or I'm just doing the hunt and chase for other activators. So,
0: okay, cool. Any other questions before we move on? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Dan, I guess you're up next buddy. Okay.
4: So when I first got started out in uh, Soda, uh, went out quite a few times with uh, Brian and, and Charlie, and they were running the 817s and stuff. And I ended up purchasing an 857 because uh, I was going to use that uh, as my first home uh, rig as well. And uh, it, the 857 ended up spending a lot more time out on the mountain than it did uh, operating at home. But uh, I really liked that rig. It was really nice to, to operate. You know, you could uh, turn up the power or you could go with less power. So I really enjoyed that rig. Um, nice shack in the box. Um, I kind of got tired finally of, of lugging it all over the place, especially at that particular point in time. I wasn't really good about how much I actually packed in my backpack. And uh, I really thought that, you know, having more power was always, you know, the best way to go. So after that, I finally uh, splurged a little bit and ended up getting a KX-3. And one of the reasons that I really enjoy this radio is uh, the display. Uh, It's got a nice, uh, large display. It's backlit. uh, Everything's well-organized on the rig itself. Um, I kind of looked at the, the KX-2 as well. I went with the KX-3 because uh, I didn't want to have to dig around in the menus quite as much. And I don't think on any summit I have actually uh, went into the menus on the radio. Uh, everything's out on the out on the front face. Uh, it's very easy to operate. Um, and uh, I really enjoy the rig. Unfortunately, I don't use all the capabilities, so, you know, it'll do... I'm um, primarily a single sideband operator. I'm still learning CW, so I don't use one of the, be- the biggest features is at CW. Um, and the filtering available, especially on CW, is really fantastic um, from the listening that I've been doing. Um, but uh, it, it's a 160 through 6-meter uh, rig. Uh, it'll go anywhere, you know, a couple watts all the way up to about 14 watts uh, output. Um, sometimes I really go QRO and, and operate it, uh, 12 or 13 Watts, but, uh, usually it's, it's, you know, five to 10 Watts somewhere in there, even on single sideband, uh, works great. I can easily hit the East coast. And I used to think the only way I was going to do that was with 75 Watts, um, uh, you know, from a mountaintop, um, it's got fantastic filters in it, um, So I can really whittle things down as far as being able to hear people that uh, on the 857 that I know I would not have heard uh, in the past. Um, As far as operating, uh, I've taken a six amp hour battery with me and I've operated all weekend long, you know, five, six summits and never had an issue uh, uh, operating that way. The nice thing is it's a whole lot uh, lighter than what my 857 was, uh, about 18 ounces. It's got a nice small package um, and there's a lot of aftermarket uh, things available for it as far as you know uh, extra protection, side rails, uh, um, extra uh, fins and things to keep the radio cool. I've never had any issues with with any of that stuff. it even comes with a nice uh, small pack that uh, uh, a lot of folks don't like to take out on the mountain, but it works very well for me. Uh, I can store the the mic and all the battery accessories, et cetera, in there. And uh, it's it's pretty nice and compact. Um, let's see what else about it. Um, like I said, it does all the modes. So um, I'm primarily a single sideband operator, but uh, it does do digital modes. It's, uh, as well as CW, and uh, that's uh, kind of where I'm going is CW, so I can take advantage uh, of more of what the radio has to offer.
0: Well, I have um, a question for you, Dan. Yep. Uh, what are what's maybe one thing that you like about the uh, the KX three more than the FT uh, eight fifty seven, and then vice versa? Ooh. Um,
4: so I would have to say that. Um, The thing about the KX-3 is the, um, the receive. It is so much quieter. And like I said, I can hear things that I never heard with the 857. Um, That's probably the number one thing that I like about it. And I think that's when I finally get out there and operate CW, I think that's going to be even more pronounced Um, as well as the antenna tuner built in. And I mean, you could probably tune up a tree out in the wild uh, and still transmit on it. Um, the best thing about the 857 uh, is just having that ability to take and uh, use more power if, if you need to. Um, like I said, I mean, on top of a mountaintop, I've never had an issue with that. Um, I may have more issues with that uh, operating POTA. But uh, as far as summits on the air, it's, it so far has not been an, an issue.
0: Okay, cool. Any other questions for Dan?
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask you, Dan, uh, you're talk- talking about power, and uh, I was going to ask you, did you notice a, a big difference in the number of contacts between a uh, QRO operation where you're 857 and then backing down to the uh, 10 watts on the uh, Uh, No,
4: actually, I think that my QSO count has remained the same, or in some cases was even better from particular mountains, uh, just because of the receive capability. I mean, it's night and day difference. Uh, I mean, I've even taken my 991 and the KX3 out onto a mountain and gone back and forth between them. And even between those two radios, and especially when you consider the, the vintage of the KX-3 compared to like a 991, uh, it, it's amazing to receive capability.
1: And, and then I know uh, you and Charlie have gone up on uh, some sites in Arizona there that have like uh, communications facilities. Is the KX-3 have pretty good rejection as far as uh, a lot of RF on these peaks?
4: Yeah, I've never had a single issue uh, with RF uh, operating this particular rig. Now, the one thing that I don't have in this, I mean, I've got all the filters in there, but uh, I don't have, for example, like the two meter. And I'd like to try that out just to see if the two meter option uh, has any issues with uh, RF interference on some of these mountaintops but as far as the hf bands i've never experienced any issues
0: okay Uh, anything else before we go over to brian i know all right brian you're up buddy
4: all right
5: excuse me all right so for me i started out with the 817 like most people like most of the people in the group have talked about And I still use that radio, um, but I mainly use it for the VHF contests and and occasions where I think I want to do phone. But after becoming a CW operator and getting proficient in it, um, I realized that something there might be better options out there. We had a get together uh, with a soda operator from New Mexico that came and brought his gear with him, and he had a KX1. I'm like, man, that is tiny. I bet that weighs nothing. And, um, you know, Charlie and I like to do a lot of the more complicated. Um involved soda activations where there's a lot of walking to get to where you need to go. And weight is a big deal. It fatigues you. And the you know, the more you can shed, the more fun you're gonna have, right? So I looked for a KX1, couldn't find one in the used market that was in my price range at the time. And I, I stumbled upon the uh UKITS HB1B. Um, it is a no-frills radio. So um, unlike one of the more popular radios right now that's out there, um, it does not have a uh multi-function backpack that you can buy with it um, but you can use it with any other backpack that's what the radio looks like here it's about this big it weighs you know maybe i think my my total pack weight i'll bring up a picture here so i got a couple different things if you guys saw me trying to snap a picture before with my phone i realized it probably be easier to see this with a picture so charlie let me get that up yeah no and problem. i'm going to share screen here
0: while he's doing that, let me just uh, mention in chat, if there's anybody in chat after we're done with uh, with uh, Brian and Doug, if there's anybody who has a radio that you'd like to talk about uh, that isn't one we've mentioned, you, you can come on and I'll, I'll send you the uh, Zoom information. You can come on and talk about it. Uh, Doug will be talking about the uh, MTR line and the 705. So uh, just think about it. We'll send you the info if you're interested.
5: Okay. You guys uh, see what I'm seeing? Yes. Okay, so that is what that is right there, that is the uh, um, special pack that I bought for it off of eBay. What it is is a cheap Chinese um, first aid kit that's bright orange, so if I drop it, I can find it. And inside of that, I am able to fit everything um, that I take with me for a soda activation. So this is what it looks like when it's open. Bring it over here. You guys seeing the bag open now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's in here is we got the antenna. Um, underneath that's the radio and a battery. And I'm going to hold that up now because I've got that out. So this is what it looks like all opened up. We've got a bio-no battery in there and the radio. The radio itself, I'll bring up the manual now and make it a little bit easier for everybody to see
1: that. Let's
5: find the manual. So I've got that all queued up here as well. So this is the manual for the UKITS HB1B. It is two pages. It's a very simple radio. Um, It puts out uh, four watts with an internal battery or with uh, 13.8 volts DC supplied, as I've heard with other radios. Um, It still puts out only four four to five watts. It's CW only. It has no internal speaker. Um, It has no wireless LAN. It has no SD card. It has no internal GPS with GPS logger. Um, it has no live band scope with waterfall. It just has a little display on it, as we can see here. I can turn it on for y'all.
0: Wait a minute, Brian. So, are you are you uh, are you digging on a certain other radio?
5: I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just comparing what $250 will do for you, and that's about what I paid for this. It's a used radio. Um, we've got. It'll tell me what mode I'm in, what VFO I'm in, uh, the current power on this radio with the internal battery is 11.7 volts. It's got an S meter and a power meter. It does have an internal keyer, which is nice, so when you want to get uh, picked up by the RBN gate, I can just keep pushing the CQ set button, and it'll CQ away at uh, whatever speed I have it set at. There's no actual way to know what speed you're at. You have to kind of do it by ear, and you set it by using either the left or right paddle on the uh, CW key, which plugs in right about here um, on the bottom, and I magnet to the side of the radio. It's a metal box. The radio is pretty durable. Um, I've had it for about five years now, and I think I've probably got close to 2,000 QSOs on it. It has sustained some battle damage throughout the time that I've been operating these. um, The knobs on here, the the rheostats inside are plastic with a small little piece of um, metal that goes over the top, and they do loosen up over time and stop working. So I ended up replacing one of them with a um, much more robust one with a jam nut on it, and this is the volume. Um, this I have one for this side here also that's ready to go when it fails finally, and I'll replace that. Um, support for the radio is actually pretty good, but the support you're going to get is an email. that will occur usually 24 to 36 hours after you send it because I think it's going to China. Um, and then you have to go through the Google Translate process of understanding what they're trying to convey to you based on the question that you sent them, that they put through some form of translate on their end. So it might be a little bit of back and forth. And when I had to figure out what the uh, values were for these pots, when I ordered them, um, that was a little bit of back and forth. And then um, I had a, in, in the aviation business, we call it stupid pilot tricks. And that's when we do something dumb that causes a problem. So I had a stupid amateur radio operator trick with this, where one day I wasn't paying attention. And the top here is for the external power. And the bottom here is for the charger for the internal batteries. Well, I made the mistake one day of plugging the charger into the external power. The radio did not like that. There is an internal fuse on the board, and that internal fuse blew. So now I had to find out what the value was of that fuse and what I needed to buy to fix it. And then whatever other testing I needed to do to figure out how to get the radio fixed again. Fortunately, it wasn't, it was like a $2 part that I think I got from DigiKey and soldered it in. And I think I bought a quantity of three or four. So I have a little baggie with extra parts got it back working again and it still works fine other thing that happens periodically is the bnc connector will loosen up and it'll detach itself from the board and i've had to re-solder it. in fact i was doing mingus mountain last summer and it broke on mingus mountain i have a buddy that lives not too far from there and uh stopped by his place and re-soldered it and then headed over to the next mountain and did the next mountain so um all in all the radio is, for the, for what you for what I've paid for it and for what I've gotten out of it, the radio has far exceeded my expectations. Are you going to win a contest with it? No, not going to happen. It's It'll, it'll overload. Um, it does a pretty good job. When Charlie is calling CQ about 25 or 30 feet away from you or Dan is doing the same thing on phone, it does a pretty good job of picking up those transmissions as well. Surprisingly, it's actually been pretty good on heavy RF mountains. The only band I've noticed... The filtering on it isn't really good. Is thirty meters? Um, if there is a lot of microwave on top of one of these peaks, and it's on thirty meters, it does a pretty good job of hearing that. Um, in fact, it makes pretty much pretty much makes thirty meters almost useless.
0: So there's a question um, in the chat, Brian. Sure. Uh, how will the how will the switches hold up? How well did the, the, do the switches hold up?
5: Oh, the, well, that so the meaning um, the the push buttons or the, red the knobs. Ones is, I
0: think he's talking about the red buttons.
5: The red buttons have worked just fine. I haven't had to do anything with them at all. In fact, they they do what it's supposed to actually, you know, what? let me unshare the screen here so I can, you guys can all see me again. Um, hold on
0: while you're doing that. Let me ask real quick. Uh, okay, go ahead, Brian.
5: Okay. Sorry. I'm back. Um, so I got the, um, the other thing about the radio is because it's a metal case and it's dark. It does not like heat. Um, I was actually in San Diego with, wor- with work, and I had a fairly long layover, and I ran up on, on Cal's Mountain, activate Cal's Mountain with it. And I had it in a black backpack in the in the backpack, and when I got up on top, the radio was really, really hot, and the PL, PLL would not lock. Um, I had to actually stick it inside of something and cool it down, and when I got it cooled down, it stayed on long enough for me to make a couple of contacts, and then it stopped again because it got warm and the PLL circuit unlocked. That's the only time that's ever happened. Um, I actually went back to the hotel, threw it in the refrigerator in the hotel for a couple hours and then plugged it back into the battery and it worked fine after that. So that's the only, the only other uh, oddity I've noticed with it, but otherwise the, the, the radio is, has been very good um, for what I've, for what I've wanted to get out of it. I really enjoy doing activations um, in a minimalist way. Not that I'm a, I'm a minimalist on any stretch of the imagination as some of you guys have seen my shack and other gear that I have, especially when I do the VHF contests, uh, but for the actual activations, um, I'm doing a lot with not a lot. I've I easily get twenty five thirty contacts as long as there's something going on with the band and the antenna doesn't malfunction, um, and uh, you know it, it it just works. That's really the um, the fun part about it. You're, I'm doing CW with it. The radio works like it's supposed to, and um, it's never really it's never let me down. And as I said it's super light and it's super small.
4: How's uh, I've, I've never paid attention to the display on that when we've done a soda together, but how's the display in the, in like in the sunlight and stuff like that, is it still easy to read or yeah. not really? So,
5: yeah, it's actually very easy to read. Um, the only, it's like with those displays, the only thing you got to remember is if you're wearing polarized sunglasses, it's, you can't read it with a, with polarized sunglasses on. That's about the only problem with it because of the, the polarization filter and the display as well. Um, but otherwise, the display is perfectly. It's very easy to read.
4: Great.
0: Cool. Uh, you mentioned it was around $250. Is that new or did you buy that used?
5: Um, they, they seem to be running about $250 new. I think I at the time when I got it, it was fairly new and I paid like two and a quarter for it. I had At the time, I had two 817s because I was having fun messing around with the uh, the Sideman satellites and they had kind of started dwindling off and i had an opportunity somebody was in our local group here qng was looking for an 817 so i sold the second one to him i took the profits from that to buy this
0: yeah okay and then over to shane real quick i catch you off guard a little bit shane but uh, your zygu do you know what those are those run uh new Uh,
3: i think it's around uh 550 to 600
0: okay all right, and then all the other rigs are, are a little even more than that. I think uh, Dan's rig mm-hmm. is, and, and the 8, 817 or 818 is a little bit more. Uh, Bo's rigs are. Okay, just che- just checking. All right. All right, Doug. Sure. Uh, you're up, buddy. Well, okay.
6: Um, I'll show you first what I started out with for soda. Uh, well, actually, I started with an HT, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and we'll
0: be talking about HTs right after you're done, so just keep that in mind, other guys. We'll we'll talk a little bit about what HTs you've used. Go ahead, Doug. Sorry.
6: Oh, the FT-891, this was my first uh, soda radio, and um, I, I still use it from time to time. As a matter of fact, I got it out to shoot a video in the last week or so, and I was working CW with it. It's just such a fantastic CW receiver that I almost don't mind the five pounds. I'm, I think I might take it in the backpack even again, but um, – and then I, I power it with this, uh, either this three amp hour BioNo uh, LifePo4. Which what I like about these is they have their own built-in protection. The battery will shut down when it reaches the point of danger, where the battery could be damaged from a discharge. I also power it with this, a Lipo uh, battery, and that's also three thousand milliamp hours, so three amp hours. And you know a little better profile in my in my backpack. This, um, this is something that I've just recently started using. Okay. Uh,
2: a quick question
6: about about how much
2: time do you actually get out of those small batteries?
6: Well, okay, yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I was I was going to say on the three amp hour. This radio draws one amp on receive. And on the small uh, battery, on the three amp hour, I've, I've done 45 to 50 um, sideband contacts with it. I have a six amp version of the BioNO that's just twice the size. And um, I've gotten about like 102 out of it, which, you know, you just got to think about conservation. You only need four contacts, but, but at the same time, those of you who activate know that we don't want to cut our chasers short either. So I I never have a problem getting the four it's, you know, but I, I don't want to cut the chaser short. So I might do 45 or 50 just because there's that many chasers out there, but you know, that's the trade-off it's, you know, if, but if you're, if you know, if you want to try to get in two summits in the same day without a second battery, then you, you're going to have to make a tough choice of uh, you know, cutting it short to maybe 20, uh, contacts 20-25 contacts per summit but the the radio itself with those rails on it um i guess you saw the rails the radio itself with the rails is five pounds and that's including the microphone <clears throat> yeah, the way i carry it um let me disconnect from the battery a second i carry it in a see the summit waterproof bag and what I do to keep the microphone from scuffing the radio or vice versa is I always want to carry extra socks anyway. So I stuff the microphone down into a pair of spare socks. And then when it goes in the bag, you know, it just goes in like that and that keeps the microphone from getting scratched or scratching the radio. So if you don't mind the weight, this is the ultimate soda radio. In my opinion, it just hears, it's got a three kilohertz crystal roofing filter in it. So it does pretty well around tower sites too. It hears very well. It's just phenomenal CW radio. And as far as power, I have been out there on situations where you know I bushwhacked up a mountain, get up there, get all set up, and there's a contest going on. And uh, I won't kid you, I use the full 100 watts. Uh, now, normally I only run 45 watts with it. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why that is. Uh, those of you who do CW, you kind of know this. Um, power spectral density, you're going to get a little more, you get, you get more, uh, as a friend one month says, water per dollar, you get a little bit more, uh, efficiency out of CW, a good bit more efficiency. In fact, just some round numbers, uh, some estimates I've heard thrown around in the uh, industry. It takes about 45 Watts of sideband to equal five Watts of CW. And again, it has to do with something called power spectral density. And so, uh, Only when I need to, I will run that thing up to a hundred watts when I'm dealing with contesters. And when there's contesters out there, a lot of times we can't really find a place to spot. So we have a method you guys, I don't know if you use this term or not, but hunt and pounce, you know, we'll just say, okay, fine. If I can't beat them, I'll join them and I'll just go chase contesters and it might be Czechoslovakia or wherever. Uh, But that's, that's where the power does come in handy. But yeah, you know, I, I made goat with that radio, use it for three years. So even well past goat, um, and then uh, December I decided I wanted to scale down to uh, a lighter loadout. So I got this. Now the clipboard is a uh, KC4WZB's idea. Um, I've got Velcro, so the radio Velcro's onto this uh, clipboard, and this is the Mountaintopper MTR4. B version two, uh, which they've just enhanced it a little bit. It's got a built-in SWR meter and a power meter. Um, I have a Pico paddle. I got one of the last ones before they quit making them. And I've experimented with different headphones because this radio, uh, and by the way, this entire kit, let me show you what it travels in. And I wanted to mention Kyle, speaking of Kyle, Kyle sent this to me. He 3D printed a snap-on cover to protect the radio while it's in the little case here that I carry it in. So I carry it in this uh, case I got off of Amazon. All the cables go up here in the top, the radio. Now this is one of those where you cut out the little squares to fit what you want. So the radio goes here, this is my recorder. in case I wanna record my contacts. A backup nine volt battery, it'll it'll give you uh, about two and a half, three watts off of that. My Morse paddle goes in this little slot here. And uh, this entire rig, other than the clipboard and the battery is 1.04 pounds versus the five pounds of the 891. So, uh, you know, when I'm just not feeling up to hauling the 891, I go with this. And I've used this mostly recently. Now it doesn't have a volume control so either you want to get some earbuds that have an in, an inline volume control, or I I bought uh, Joel showed me what he was using an Anchor Anchor Mini I think it's called something like that. It's a sp- portable speaker that's uh, powered and um, you can plug that in. But honestly, these five dollar earbuds from Walmart I have found to be perfect. <laughs> um, they give and honestly you don't even need a volume control. They just they're just the right volume.
0: Okay. And, let me just. Uh, ask you something here, Doug, real quick. Let me inter- interject here real quick, because if I don't, I'll forget. First of all, I also want to shout out to, to, to Kyle, because he made one for me too. So Kyle's a good man. Uh, yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. And he made am in
6: red, you know, to yeah. match the, the radio. I don't know if you guys can see, but there's what the display looks like. And uh, now, you know, like, like we have mentioned before on Soda, you don't necessarily want to have the tightest CW filter. Uh, when I'm chasing, I do. I, I mean, if you watch my YouTube channel, you're going to see me chasing these QRP stations in Washington and Oregon and uh, with a wire antenna, but I'll narrow down to 50 Hertz on my uh, IF. But the, uh, you know, when you're the activator, you're, you don't want to miss the station that might be a hundred Hertz off frequency uh, or, you know, 200 even. So, uh, but now I wish this had a little bit tighter filtering, to be honest, because I can, it's very high pitched and, usually not a problem but I can hear people uh, about 1k away but especially 500 away so I, I wish there was a, a little bit of an enhancement in it that give me the ability to maybe narrow down to, to a good a good steep 500k filter that seems to be a really good uh, spec place to land with these but uh, yeah the MTR 4b I think I think these are I forget the price now um, I'm going to say somewhere in the $400 range, maybe 359, 379. Um it only does four bands, but it does the money bands in my opinion. Well, there is one missing that I wish it had, and that is 60 meters. But it does uh, 20, 30, 40 and 80. And um you know, but here in the southeast we get a lot of mileage out of 60 meters because we have friends where well, you know, you know how we got the 60 meter band. It was argued uh, because we have to share it with the government. And the reason we got the five little pieces of it, we got it was argued that it's a great band for emergency operation because it fits that in between range where 40 is, is you know, um, skipping over everybody's head and 80 is too short. Well, we have that situation here in the Southeast. We have a very close knit soda community. So, not to slight you guys out West, but we try to give our su- Southeastern chasers. Um, first dibs on a chase you know so we'll go out and do 60 meters so they can all get their points and i wish it would do 60 meters but it does 80 and that during the daytime that will help that does okay um for the short range and i you know the antenna i carry is the i think you had him on or i know you did but i I carry the ny4g um
0: Ariel's aerial
6: aerial's aerial we call it yeah he doesn't call it that but we do the NY4G NFED halfway, this thing is fabulous. The transfer, the matching unit is built in. He's he's done extensive research. This thing is amazing. 10, 15, 20, and 40 without touching anything. Uh, but I mine has this little clip here. Uh, you see a black Anderson. If I unclip that black Anderson, then I do 30 meters. Um, he's also got an option where you can do 17 the same way. And then I've got the, the 80 meter Extension. And uh, so when I get a text from a buddy that says, Hey, I need that, I need that for a complete, can you get on 80? Because he's, you know, 120 miles away, then I'll stick that thing on there. And uh, so I've had a lot of fun with this, and, and it's just amazing what you can do, you know, with five uh, watts. I haven't had the pleasure of doing it yet, but Joel KC4WZB with his MTR uh, 5B worked uh, ZL1BYZ at 8,700 miles from Wildcat Mountain um, a year and a half or so ago. And then just recently, as a matter of fact, Red, you were with us that day. Richard, N1RBD. Yes. With this QCX Mini. He's got a fleet of those QCX Minis. Fine little radio, great little kit build. And uh, they even come with a, a TCXO option. So it'll stay rock solid on frequency. It's got a calibration procedure. You don't even have to have a service monitor to get it dead on and uh they're about 80 bucks i think for a kit richard's got a fleet of those and he worked also worked new new zealand at 8700 miles yep. from uh, the bald and red was with us on yeah that trip. You know,
0: let me just uh, mention a couple things on that too one we were talking about the qcx right now in the chat room and i'm looking for somebody to hop into this meeting to talk about that because richard isn't here we were hoping richard come and talk about it but he's not around so yeah, he's doing an islands on the air right now You're and right. he was hoping to have uh a signal but i guess he he does not but right and the other now, thing i wanted to mention was that uh, he that was his very first contact using the qcx mini was that new zealand contact so he was just jumping out of, it was you know hopping on top of that log in, in delight
6: <laughs> yeah that was his uh the, well that was his 17 each one of them is one band and that was the 17 meter when it was his first contact with it um, he has actually some others that he's made some contacts with, but that was the debut of the 17 meter one, and uh, and he was excited to be able to uh, to make that distance. Um, on uh, I think he told me he was at about four watts with that. So four watts for 8,700 miles. I mean, I you know I'll take that any day. So I haven't had the pleasure of being able to do that yet. Well, you know I should mention this is the battery, and that is a a um, a lipo. It's 1,100 milliamp hour. I can't kill it. With this little radio, I just can't make that thing die. Uh, I could operate all weekend. I could do five or six summits, and that thing's, you know, not a problem. Uh, I actually have taken the 3,000 milliamp hour out as a backup, but I really, I've never had to tap into it. I've never even had to go to the nine volt backup. So this is great. And if you like CW, and if you're not in the CW yet, uh, well, carrying a backpack with a five pound radio and the rest of the gear for a while will... Will, will motivate you because uh, I was rusty at CW I hadn't done it since my old days of when we had to get it for our exams and although I love CW that was my favorite thing to do when I first got started and then you know life got in the way but this motivated me to get back into CW and uh and you, if you're thinking if you if you've not activated with CW yet and you're thinking well, yeah but it seems like it'll be complicated I don't know about you guys I think it's easier to pick out, you know, the last two letters that are holding over from the pile up and say, you know, dotty 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 ditty, dum-dum, ditty, you know, and you know that everybody's going to stand by and wait for the person that's that's got a CD in their call. I find that a little easier to pick out because of the different pitches of the CW as opposed to trying to pick somebody's voice out. So uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I was not expecting it to be that way when I got uh, – Joel motivated me to do it because I watched him do it his first day and he said, "Oh, dude, this is all I want to do from now on." And speaking of Joel, since he's not with us, I should mention his new favorite radio. Since this is about transceivers, he's got the ICOM IC705, and he's not looking back. I mean, Joel's used them all. He's got an HB1B. Although I got to admit, his on the very first day out, it smoked, and he hasn't gotten it fixed yet. Um, but he's got um, 857D that he that he started with. He's got KX3. Um, and he's got the MTR5B from Mountain Topper, but he's gotten the IC 705, and uh I think he's got it down to a nice little pouch, and it's a little over two pounds, maybe two and a half pounds weight, uh, with everything he needs, but the except the antenna, I think. Uh yeah, not with the, not including the antenna, but including its internal battery. And uh he is loving that thing. I mean, you got you got a waterfall, you got uh, every band and mode, and it'll do 10 watts if you use an external battery. So he's really liking that. And I featured it. um, There was a video I shot from a YouTube channel. Joel took video from his end. I took video from my end. So you can can see and hear both sides of our conversation. So you get to hear what I sounded like to him. And then you get to hear what he sounded like to me. And so the 705 may be a game changer for Soda, uh, I I think. But, you know, I still like to be able to carry, you know, yeah, you're limited. Four bands on this MTR-4B, but at least there are four bands that, I think get you the most mileage. And to be honest with you, I, I probably do more 30 meters than anything else now uh, with this radio and speaking of tower sites. Yes. Uh, you know, the MTR is an SDR. It's going to start struggle a little bit. If you got heavy RF around, um, if I know that I'm going to something that's got a heavy RF, I usually will take the eight ninety one because it can, it can hear just about any time anywhere. But, uh, but that's, that's it. And as far as uh, two meters, I use the, uh, FT-3DR is my most recent uh, uh, HT, but I also have the, uh, you can't get them anymore, the FT-270R. It's a single uh, two meter only, and that may sound limiting, but it's actually great because I can stand under the 50,000 watt broadcast transmitter on Stone Mountain near Atlanta, and I can have a QSO and everybody around me is having to borrow my radio. So it's got a nice tight front end. But this one's not bad. Um, It is an SDR, but it's got an option. If you go to narrow FM, it switches it to super heterodyne. And then it can also hear around tower sites. And plus it's got APRS and all that. And the antenna is the Diamond SRH770S. And if you're not familiar with this antenna, let me tell you something. That is the prototype. I was sent this antenna to give it, they said, take it out, try to break it. And it's flexible, but if you're familiar with the Anley antennas that are telescopic, this one uh, is the same amount of of gain as an Anley, but it's flexible. So I never have to switch out my antenna. I just leave this on the backpack. And um, so that's the Diamond SRH770S. They won't tell you that it's a gain antenna. Diamond has a reason. They don't actually give you a gain uh, rating other than 2.15 dBi on their antennas anymore because of lawsuits. But this this bad boy will get you there. In fact, it rivals our Yagi that we carry sometimes. So that's the reason I got to do the HT. We always, here in the southeast, I hear that some people don't activate with uh, two meters. But we have quite a a good group of chasers for VHF and UHF here in the northern part of Georgia. And I'm a little bit responsible for that because my brother got his ticket, and the next day I had him on a mountain and he was only a text, So we had to do VHF and UHF. So we would uh, do something I call chumming. We would chum the repeaters on the way to a summit and say, Hey guys, would you be listening on five, two in about, about two hours? And, uh, so we always try to get our first contacts or he had had to get his anyway, but I would do it with him. We'd get our con- first contacts on two meters and then he would keep doing two meters. I would switch to HF. And so when Wayne got to, by the time he got to 600 points, um he had passed general and pat red nose pat we were at a a, a a small ham fest we call tech fest and pat said well wayne don't don't quit go all the way to Goat with the two meters it'll be a novel thing to do not that he's the only one to do it but it's a it's a small club so um that's our that's our that's kind of our modus operandi we always we chum on the, even on the way up the mountain. We start chatting with guys on 5.2. And then when we get at the mountain, we make those contacts. And then we switch to uh, HF. Okay. That's cool. uh, Doug, what I have.
0: Great. I know. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Doug. And uh, that was great. Good information. All right, guys. So it looks like we have... I got 9.16 here. We got to end at uh, 9.30 uh, my time so that we can get uh, go over to uh, Kyle's uh, Node Red uh, live stream. So... Let's do this. I, we we need to talk about the HTs. Uh, Doug's talked about his already, so let's talk. About, let's give everybody else a chance to talk about the HTs, and then we're just going to wrap it up after that. Well, so we'll do two kind of circles. We'll go around. We'll start with Mark again. We'll go around and talk about your HTs. Uh, Mind, be mindful. We probably only got ten minutes, so just take a minute or so to talk about your HT. And then, after that, we'll go back around and we'll uh, say our uh, final words or thoughts on on any, everything, generally speaking. So, before I get to Mark on his HT, uh, Doug, I did have a, a comment or a question. And that was on your earbuds. I have an MTR three B, and uh, I tried the inline uh, inline uh, volume, and didn't work that that well. And I, I just same as you, just a cheap old pair of uh, of earbuds is, is pretty much it. I, I know people who have uh, I've used earbuds in the MTR 3B and there's uh, there's a connection issue on some of them but but yeah that's I I I just you know
6: Well you know you know the problem we have now is when you go shop for earbuds <laughs> with an inline volume they're all the digital kind so they are just telling the phone to turn up or turn down they don't think about that we need an analog but I happen to have an old analog slider control uh, so it's just a you know a potentiometer and that works but Impedance, guys. You know what you're going to find with earbuds is one impedance is different than the other. So this earbud's louder than that earbud. Yep. And these cheap ones for five bucks from Walmart, I mean, they come in a little bitty cardboard thing packed in there. I have found them to be the perfect volume. I don't really need to volume up or down.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Agreed. Okay, Mark, what you got?
1: Well, uh, the uh, two meter uh, handheld I'm using right now is the uh, FT1D. And uh, I like it for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, I never really thought I would ever uh, spot using APRS until recently. And some of the peaks around the uh, Orange County, Riverside, San Diego, they uh, they show that they have Verizon coverage and cell coverage. They don't. It's it's good for certain areas. So recently I had to uh, spot using APRS. Now, that being said, what I'd recommend is if you buy a, a, a HT with APRS and you intend to use it for spotting, every once in a while, irregardless of if you have phone spotting, use the APRS just to stay in practice. Because I got up on this peak and all of a sudden I had no cell service and I had no way to spot. And it took me a half hour reading through the manual up there to figure out how to get this FT1D to fire off script again. So um, the other thing I would uh, recommend if you're going to use uh, heavily use your HT for uh, for this carry a spare battery because I consider my HT part of my survival circle kind of and uh, if you wear the battery out you kind of leave yourself open to problems. And recently I was hiking out in Palm Springs and all of a sudden my phone, it just went dead quiet. Well, I thought I was out of range and I wasn't. Verizon basically dug up a line somewhere and all of the Eastern part of Riverside County and parts of San Bernardino County lost their Verizon. So if I had a trip gotten hurt or anything, all I had at that time was gonna be that HT. So if you've worn that out, you're, you're running a little risk there. And uh, so I'll, I always carry a spare charge backed up battery if I plan on using my HT a lot. But those are the two things. I really like APRS for spotting if I need it. And I like having a spare battery so that I'm always hiking with a uh, a second wave. Okay, cool.
0: All right, Mark, thanks. Off to bow.
2: Uh, I have one of the Biofangs or Biofangs, whatever, uh, UV5Rs. I haven't used it in quite some time. I also have, uh, the FT60R. Um, that's usually what I would use, uh, yes. if I was going to use an HT. Uh, I also have the, uh, Diamond SA f- something. I don't remember. It's one of the long ones, kind of like Doug has, but it doesn't have that load in the middle. Um, and it's, it's a really nice HT but out here on the eastern shore of Virginia uh, there's not a whole lot of two meter activity so I don't really use it that much.
0: Okay, okay. good to know. Thank you. All right uh, let's go to Shane.
3: Yeah I uh, usually carry the FT3 3DR with me uh, just like Bo there's a whole lot of activity around my area so it's basically just on my uh, backpack strap for looks. I do like Mark pointed out, I do try to post our self spot using APRS for the same reasons it's, it's a use it or lose it type stuff. So I like to keep the skill set up. Or else you got to be like the tech prepper and carry a laminated note on everything, which I think is a, probably a good idea as well. Uh, I like to go with uh, the BNC connectors, put the adapter on. I typically go off the ham signal uh, was it the uh, I'm blanking but the the hamstick whatever it is and then I also carry a uh, roll up j-pull that I can throw up into I a tree and hook onto that as well I believe that's a signal stuff there you go signal stuff signal stick thank you yeah Yep. I should and if I was paying attention, I did have my notes written down, but, you know, I'm not very good at this yet. So no
0: problem. doing good. But yeah, that's about it for me. All right. Uh, let's see. Who's next? Is it Dan? Uh,
4: I guess so. Uh, so I've got a one of the Kenwoods, uh, the D72As. I uh, really like this radio. I bought it for the uh, APRS. Um, and I've only sent one message in. Uh, I was uh, thinking just while Mark was talking about his, I need to spend more time actually sending APRS out of mine, uh, doing spots, et cetera, because it's been a long time since I've actually sent a message. So, um, it's kind of hard to remember it. And these are kind of complicated. Um, also recently, uh, I bought one of the, one of the Olinko's, the uh, sevens, uh, because I wanted to try some 1200 megahertz, uh, operations as well. And, uh, I'll still carry the, the Kenwood as well, just because it does have the APRS in it. So I'll, I guess I'll be adding a little bit of weight to my pack, but uh, looking forward to getting this guy out onto the mountain soon. As soon as I get a good antenna for it, I'm still waiting for, uh, for that to arrive.
0: Yeah, cool. All right, Brian. Muted.
5: Muted. I got the big warning. All right, can you all hear me now? You should be able to. Okay, so I carry the D72A as well. I have added a um bnc connector to the top my just an adapter to screw onto the sma so i can swap the antennas on it fast to get over to the um uh to the um roll up j pole that i use up on top of the hills which is my primary uh antenna mountaintop it's actually worked really well in fact i think we we proved that it actually works better than the beam in some cases but that's the um I do that for the APRS, same thing for the spotting. I try to always spot using the APRS just because I think it's uh, cooler than doing it via the phone. Um,
2: you got like five minutes.
5: Okay. I've got the um, the script on the back of the UKITS radio, so that way if I forget it, it's right there available to me because generally this, these two things are together so I can find it. If you save the script, you actually save the script in the messages and um, you'll have it there all the time. You just have to go back and edit the, uh, the summit reference or whatever it is you're going to do. And I have a G seven, um, like Dan has for the twelve ninety six. As most, as some people may or may not know, we're we're very active on on one point two here in the valley. And I like to tell everybody before it was cool. Um, I got the, G, the 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 DJ twenty nine, which is the 220-900 uh, radio, and that is part of the mess of forty pound pack that I carry up to the top of the hill when I do the January VHF contest. That's probably the most the heaviest pack I carry every year because of all the extra junk i take for the contest
0: okay all right well let's just wrap it up then yeah i i take the ft60r have done for a long time i have the uh, kenwood like uh, brian and dan and uh do but i haven't used in a long time i'm i'm into simplicity and so i just use the 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 60r as well uh so with that okay let's let's just go around real quick we don't even need to go around does anybody else have any other departing comments before we wrap it up go ahead take it away anybody That was a great
6: point about always carry a spare battery and I, I, this is the spare I carry for the FT3DR. You can see it can operate off three double A's. So that's my backup plan because APRS does drain your battery. uh, If you're beaconing, especially, and I do for safety reasons, you know, I'm beaconing every five minutes. So my wife can see where I am on a summit. And uh, so I do carry, I actually, I even have one more of the, the, uh, not just this battery, but I have another rechargeable. But uh, always, yeah, always carry it back up because APRS will uh, chew your battery a little bit.
1: Hey, uh, real quick, Charlie, I just wanted to say um, uh, radios are kind of like the glass slipper for Cinderella. There's no perfect radio for any one person. So understand what you want, what you anticipate doing, do your research search buy your radio and enjoy it operate and get out there and use the thing because all too often um kind of in ham radio we either are operators or consumers and uh, i think that the consumers get kind of caught up in what the latest greatest is and i you know what i would much rather be out there operating all these radios are going to get you contacts you're going to enjoy them just pick out the one you like
0: Amen. Yeah, for sure. Anything else, guys? All right. Well, let me just say again, we got uh, we got uh, Kyle AA0Z who's doing the Node Red thing. Thank you guys so much for coming. I really appreciate this discussion. I think it was very informative. Hopefully for people who are just getting into the hobby of uh, of ham radio and also into the hobby of summits on the air, to figure out what radio they might want to try out. We didn't talk about all the radios. We, we talked about most of the most popular ones. That I was hoping to get the uh, G90 and the QCX in there as well, but you know, just not enough time and uh, and some guests were available and some weren't, so this is what we had. So uh, each, to each and every one of you, thank you for joining us. And I am going to say 73, and you guys go ahead and do the same.
1: 73. 73. 73. 73, everybody. 73.